0: Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silver, and today's guest is Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. Dr. Cohen is a clinical psychologist. She's the CEO and founder of the online divorce course and membership Afterglow, the light at the other side of divorce. Dr. Cohen's online course teaches women how to heal, grow, and thrive after divorce, no matter how difficult the process has been. She's been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, The Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health, Huff Post, Thrive Global, Daily Beast, and Good Housekeeping. Dr. Cohen is a weekly contributor to Psychology Today with her Divorce Course column. Dr. Cohen hosts the Divorce Doctor podcast, where she interviews people about their divorce experiences. Dr. Cohen is the author of Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You, which debuted at number one in popular psychology on Amazon. If you're divorced, getting divorced or considering divorce, you're going to love this episode. I'm talking with the divorce doctor, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, who will be talking about her journey to healing, divorce recovery, and so much more. Let's get right to it. Here's Dr. Elizabeth. Okay, everybody, we have Dr. Elizabeth Cohen with us today. And you know, this is from betrayal to breakthrough. And very often when we're betrayed by a partner, it can lead to divorce. So I have brought on the most amazing expert to share with us how to uh, thrive, not just survive post-divorce. So welcome, Dr. Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're so glad to have you. So to get to you know be this specialist in helping people get through a divorce, is there a story? Yeah, there's a story. So, I mean, I have over
1: 15 years of private practice experience of working with people as a clinical psychologist. Um, So I bring to that my professional expertise. And then I, uh, 10 years ago, was separated when I kicked my ex-husband out and had a six-month-old and a two-year-old and have moved through that pain deeply, um, heroically, and now have a beautiful- relationship of eight years and I'm really
0: the kids and me and my relationships are thriving. That's so great. And and we'll get to everything you're doing now, but bring us back to that time, because it is so typical that we go through something so challenging and it just, it it uproots everything and it affects us physically, mentally, and emotionally. So what were some of the symptoms you had and, and what were you feeling? What were you experiencing? And give us sort of the roadmap of how you Uh, moved towards your, your, you know, from one step to the next, what you did. For sure. So
1: um, I think what I was really suffering from was thinking I knew everything about everything and I was perfect. Mm -hmm. I married somebody who um, struggled with the disease of alcoholism and that allowed me to constantly feel better than another person. So I didn't realize in my marriage that I was not giving him the dignity to be his own person. And I was constantly um, able to see how I thought I was better. And because of the disease of alcoholism, his, his behavior got so, um, unacceptable that I, I kicked him out, but it, you know, that could be the story, right? I could stop here and tell you that's the story, but that's bullshit. Can I curse on this? Yeah. You you
0: just did. It's okay. Okay.
1: That's bullshit. Like that's part of the story, but I was part of the story. So I, I had a moment when um, I was in the playground with my k- kids' friends, and they were asking parents, and they were asking me about my ex, and I was telling some dramatic story. And I literally left there, and I, I was in Central Park, and there was a path, two paths. And I thought, I could take one of these two paths. I can spend the rest of my life telling this story about him. And they were very dramatic and very exciting and very you know colorful, or I could figure out how the hell did I end up here, and how do I make sure I don't come here again? So that was the path I decided to take. And that I took. Literally one step forward, two steps back. And I looked that first night, I Googled divorce recovery. And back then I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I didn't realize I thought, okay, I must not be able to recover. Like, if there's nothing out there, then there must be some, I'm not going to recover. And I thought, I'm devastated. And so I just like turned into the tools that I knew. There were two tools I knew. Like one was cognitive behavioral therapy, which I'd been doing for years. And the other was that a friend said to me, like, I know there are other people who marry to alcoholics. Like, I know there's a group, like, why don't you try that? Like, those are the only two tools I had. Yeah. Went on their hands and knees, a mess, crying, and then, you know, one day at a time, one foot forward, two steps back, perfectly imperfectly, things started to shift a little. In that, I started looking at it about me
0: and not about him. And, and I want to, I want to stop you there because right when you said there are, two, you know, you saw two paths in front of you, you could have, you could have taken either one. Now it is so, and I see this all the time because when it comes to betrayal, it is so easy. We have a very powerful story. You know, this person that we trusted and depended on and counted on betrayed us and we have our story. And at the end of the day, we have our story and that's it. Then, then there's the opportunity where we say, okay, we have our story, but I can have a much better story and so much more if I take that other path. So, you know, you, you said it real casually. Like, so I saw the two, the two <laughs> paths and I just took this one but I want to know what was it, or was there this defining moment? What was going through you where you said, I see this path. I know I can take this, but I'm choosing to do this, this other way.
1: I think what happened was in that playground, when I told those stories, people were emotional. They were crying. They, I got all the empathy, you know, that I thought I wanted, Mm -hmm. but Deb, I left there and I felt like shit. I thought, wait a minute. I'm the person in the story. I'm not telling some novel or some movie. This is my life. I don't want this to be my life. So it was actually saying it and noticing how I felt when I was telling my story. Yeah.
0: So important. And I hope everybody listening, everybody watching, you really embrace that because it's so true. We have our story. And I think, and I know I hear it all the time, these well-rehearsed stories where I know that person must have said that story a thousand 1, times and check in when you check in with how you feel as you're saying it that's small you you know that's that's benefiting somehow from it where you get to be right you get someone to blame you get a target for your anger you know all of those benefits that we look at but when we let it go for a much more powerful story check in how you feel then. It's not that the road is easier in front of you, but it just feels a lot better. So you noticed how Totally. You yeah. And I also noticed, Deb, you know what I just realized? I hadn't thought of this before, but when you were talking
1: just to get super deep here, like the people's reactions, that's what I want. I wanted con- unconditional empathy and love. I had wanted that from my partner and let's it's because I never got it from my parents. I mean, I'm a shrink, I'm going to say it. Here we go. Right? Like I you got I mean so that's what I wanted. And you know what? It's so fleeting. And I see this in clients. I don't know if you see this, Deb, especially when they talk about infidelity or betrayal. They say, they tell me the betrayal story and then they say, you know, they wait for the pause and then they say, and it was with my best friend, you know, and they look at me to to, to see my shock and to see my reaction. And it's like it, it gives me so much empathy. I say to them, What do you, what do you want right now? What do you need right now? Yeah. What do you need? I needed. Empathy. I didn't realize that, but
0: that's what I was, but it's going to the wrong place. Right. Exactly. And it's, I mean, we eventually come around to realize that when we give that to ourselves, I mean, that's when, that's when we take off with our healing. Right. Okay. So cognitive behavioral therapy and support, and, and, and I'll just emphasize here the right support because the wrong type of support does way more harm than good. So here you were, you, you had that support and were you, so you needed, you know, you said you were, you, you needed that empathy, that love, you were yeah. looking for that empathy and that love. Were you, when did you start to, to, were you feeling it from the group? Were you feeling it from the therapy? Like what, what happened? Yeah. Then? So a couple things happened. Definitely when it comes to empathy,
1: I felt it from the group. I went to Al-Anon um, and there is a line in the introduction that says, um, we, even if you can't see it, we love you in a way that we will always love you. I mean, they literally just say that on the first day. Like, it's just, you're just loved. Boom, done. And so that was huge that people were supportive and cared, even not knowing me, warts and all. So that was hugely, hugely important. The other thing that happened in those rooms was that I started to be able to see that men, because in my particular situation of being heterosexual, can be vulnerable. I didn't know that. I had a father who has an addiction. I didn't know that that was possible. So I started seeing that oh, unconditional love can also come from men, and so can humility. So I really started seeing examples, and I recommend this to my clients, and I recommend this to your listeners, find examples of what you think doesn't exist. I promise you there are books of people. I promise you there are people out there. I also, though, got clear one day about how much anger I had. I walked by a, stu- a kickboxing studio and I said, kickboxing classes. And I called my partner at the time, my boyfriend, now he's my husband. And I said, do you, um, I just packed this kickboxing class. Do you think I need to, I need to, like, before I could say it, he's like, yes, 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 yes. I was like, Oh, you think I'm anch- me? I'm so sweet. And he said, you've got, and so I just went right into processing as I call it in my book, righteous anger. I started identifying. So that was another piece, the identifying the anger.
0: And that's so important because here, here's the thing. It's not like we're not justified. We are. We have every right to be angry, right? Totally. We were, were duped. We were lied to. We were betrayed. We were, you know, it, our expectations were blown up, whatever it was. And, and so, but here's the thing, you know, yes, you can have that anger. You can be right, you know, and, and, that's, and that's really it. So the kickboxing, I love that because yeah. it really depends on, I really feel like there's the right movement for the certain mood. Right. Well, and here's the thing. So the fight, when we're going through
1: a trauma and I think being betrayed and going through divorce is a trauma, we have a physiological reaction of fight, flight, or freeze. Those are biologically appropriate as you know, and probably share with your audience. And so I needed to release, move through the fight response because as humans, it gets stuck in our body if we don't really process it. So I needed to release the righteous anger in an appropriate way. Now I listen to Rage Against the Machine and dance in my apartment when I need to release my rage. I always know I need to release the fight, flight, or freeze energy. That's a huge part of what I had to go
0: through. And, you know, this is so beautiful that you're talking about it because I always say, you know, and you know this, the issues are in the tissues. And (laughs) it's when we release them, that's when we start to heal. And if we only go for, let's say, the cognitive peace, yep. right well it's stuck in the body well what about that we need to just heal fully and in order to heal fully it's physically mentally emotionally psychologically spiritually all of it beautiful mm-hmm. so so here you were now you, you got him out of the house you you were taking on you know the the therapy and the support and you found you know the kickboxing getting r- rid of all that anger how did you start feeling when, you know just even right with using those tools? how did I start feeling my feelings? No, how did you, how were you? Was Oh, Oh, how did I start feeling? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's such a good question. I mean, I think what I noticed first was I was less irritable. I think it was all of it was coming out sideways. So I was, I was less annoyed with my children, with people on the subway, with, you know, just irritability. I just was less irritable. Um, I started believing in a future again, I stopped thinking bet- that today was like the last day of my life, basically. Um, and I did have suicidal thoughts. I remember thinking, what is the point? Like, and that, that thinking shifted. I felt the littlest bit
0: of hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a, it's, it's such a shift because, you know, it's that negative spiral that we start to, to go on. And then you know, it's like we have to stop that spiral. And now here you're, you're taking that spiral in the other direction and it's moving up and you're, you're feeling better. And then because you're feeling better, you know, your outlook is different. You're different, you know, with your kids, that sort of thing. So what
1: did it lead to? Well, I learned a really great strategy then actually that I have in my book um, where I, I actually, even though I couldn't imagine in that moment, Life so differently. I had the two kids. I was bogged down with them. I did. I had it. Did an imagery of my ideal future self. I imagined who I would if I had healed. Who I would be, mm-hmm. and I really connected to her. I didn't know if she would ever come, but I started to feel connected to her. Every morning, I'd wake up and say yes to her. I don't even know what she what she was saying, but just accepting her, and then things started to happen where I think I started saying yes to more things. Mm -hmm. So I um, started engaging in my life in a different way. I started saying okay to things that would have scared me. Mm -hmm. I was open to talking about things that in the past I wouldn't have talked about. I was less afraid. You know, I talk a lot also in that I, you know, I'm a therapist. I, you know, I like to look, like I said, like I had it all together, but I was really in pain and I didn't want to share any of that. Mm -hmm. So because I saw, started seeing men be vulnerable and that I could share something and they would hear it through the support group, I found myself being attracted to people who I could start seeing when they weren't listening to me or weren't being humble. I tell this story about how I went on a date with someone who's really fun and then we're like finishing up and he said, you're a psychiatrist, right? I mean, well, I'm a psychologist. And he says, you can uh, get me some Xanax and add a van, right? And I thought, here I am again. Mm-hmm. And I thought, not going to shame him, not going to shame me, compassionately see what's going on. And that led me to choosing to focus on me and not focus on finding another person. And as often happens, I had a party. I said, I'm so glad there's no one I'm interested in. My husband walked in, no, my now husband walked in and I could just feel energetically that he was a good, kind person because I had been around enough of those people.
0: Yeah, and, and I say this all the time. It's yeah. When you do the work to heal, you can't help but resonate at a very different level. And then that level shows up. You're different. And you just won't attract the, you know, who you would have attracted as a exactly. version of you. That exactly. is about a very different type of energy. And, and, you know, what's interesting too, you talk about that that um, highest self or that version of you that you, yes. that you would meet with. And we teach this in the Institute where it's, it really is, it sounds like what you were doing was you were shortening the space from yes. the version of, that you were currently and, and her and yeah. just shortening that timeline and that space until you just became. So the way you were acting, the way you were moving, things you were doing was more representative of what she would do. Exactly. Which is who we all are if we just tap in and get ourselves out of the way. It sounds exactly. like
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I just want to say, just because I met someone amazing didn't mean I didn't have to keep working. I, you know, I remember walking up to a conversation where I wanted to tell him to be, we were going to be exclusive. And I said my mantra over and over, I'm a winner in every way, every day. I'm a, I was terrified to tell him. I was You know, even though I, it's, it's an ongoing process. And then I stepped into that vulnerability. And then I, and I would say that's the piece, like just being willing, I wasn't before able to step into any vulnerability, Mm -hmm. but the healing allowed me to feel safe, loved enough so that I could step into vulnerability. And to me, there's nothing more intimate than two people being vulnerable together.
0: Oh, I love that. And it's so true. And, and people do look at it as weakness. I think it is the ultimate strength. Yes. I think it's like, there's nothing sexier than
1: like sharing your heart and letting another person witness that. Like that is true
0: intimacy to me. Yeah. Beautiful. So talk to us about divorce now, because there yes. are so many people who they, you know, they're headed for a divorce. They're in the middle of a divorce. They're coming out of a divorce they're They've been divorced and they are bitter. They just yeah. right. And it's just, they get it. They have every right to be, I get it. But this is this is something you see all the time. So help yes. help us with that person who's really struggling.
1: So you know we all have met people, right? Who you meet at a party and they've been divorced for twenty years, but they tell you about their betrayal story as if it happened yesterday, right? And you know I, there's a Buddhist um, saying that it's like whole, it's like getting angry at someone and throwing hot coals at them. You're the only one who gets burned. Like the thing is, my loves, like you deserve a better life. That story is not your whole story. even if it is the worst of the stories. you have so many other stories within you. and there's a thought thing I always think about is like God, I let these people live in my mind rent free. They're not thinking about you. they're not telling the story. They have a totally different story. What is happening to you and and just know the story self-talk is self-hypnosis. We just talked about how I basically hypnotized myself to believe I was someone else. Mm-hmm. You, you will hypnotize yourself to feel like you're worthless, you're unlovable. You're le- every time you tell your betrayal
0: story, you're being betrayed over again. You're just betraying yourself. That's it. I love that self-talk is self-hypnosis. You know we we're so we're so conditioned to speaking to ourselves a certain way, and you know blaming ourselves or or whatever it is that we're doing. And we forget that we have everything available that helped us create the negative to create the positive and create a different kind of, of talk. And that's, you know, and I remember someone saying to me, you know, it's like, I'm divorced, I'm divorced, I'm divorced. At what point are you single? Yes. Because there's this pressure to be in a partnership, that you're
1: only only accepted and a person if you're in a partnership. And the truth is, that's not true. You're a person, a whole person yourself. And so if we stop defining ourselves by our relationship status, we could start really focusing on us. And you know what? I tell my clients date someone who's divorced. You know why? They've done the hard work of hopefully of looking at themselves if they're ready to move on. Like check into how they manage the divorce. Like divorce is a transition. We go through, life is full of transitions. And so the question is, how do you manage this transition?
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And, you know, I I know sometimes it's, there's the friend issue. The friends go with one partner or the other. Can you speak to that yeah, I mean, I think that you're bringing up the
1: fact that there's grief and loss in divorce, and I think that um, I always suggest that people allow the flow to happen to not resist. You know, if if you have a friendship where you can say, "Hey, you know, is it hard for you to be friends with both of us? Because I'd really like to still spend time with you." Great be curious, be open, treat the person with the dignity that they they deserve. But if they're talking smack about you, you're, let them go. Like, I just think that that's the least of the, you need to focus on you. And a lot of people get really focused on the other people, but you also need to allow yourself to have the grief. When you, when you
0: have a divorce, you're letting go of a life that you thought you were going to have, even if you don't want it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's, definitely a letting go for sure. And I, and I think that's really an important point that you made. If those friends, let's say are going with the other, you know, the other partner, maybe you've outgrown that group, you know, and you've, you've just outgrown them. And that whole transit, you know, when you're, when you're undergoing this transformation, you're changing, you're growing. And part of that often means outgrowing who, you know, what used to make sense, doesn't make sense anymore. What used to work doesn't work anymore. And friendships, may not work anymore. So, if we look at it that way, it's it's not it does it seems like it doesn't hurt as much. Such a good point. And my favorite phrase about
1: friendships is that people come into our life for a season, a reason or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. We have this pressure that we're supposed to stay close to everyone. If you're evolving, relationships evolve, which is why divorce shouldn't be a stigma. Because if you're evolving, hopefully your partner evolves
0: with you, but if they don't, it's
1: okay to release it similarly with friends.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about now post-divorce and yeah. st- like starting over and that whole, that whole thing. Yeah. You know, I think one of the
1: things I like to say about dating is if you go out with somebody and you feel like, God, it's, this person's so familiar. I feel like we've known each other our whole lives. You have. It's someone in your family. It's someone you've dated before. Like be really conscious of what you're feeling like we talked about earlier when you tell the story. When you're with this other person, this is your life. I have a chapter called Living Life by Design, Not by Default. Like, what do you want? What are the things you want? I knew for me that when I started over, I wanted a partner who was humble. That was the, that was the thing. That was so important to me, but that was mine. What's yours? Really think about, write down the things that are important. Is it that the person's in therapy? Is it that the person can be vulnerable, as we talked about earlier? You know, really think about doing this next phase
0: intentionally rather than just like some sort of like do over. Right. I love that. Being intentional in, intentional and deliberate about it instead of just winging it, Right. I mean, think about it. You, if you go on a vacation, I just, because I travel all the time, you think mm-hmm. about what you're packing, right? Why yeah. are you not thinking about, you know, something so much more important of it, like who we want to spend our time with? Yeah. And I'm wondering if your clients in particular, if you've
1: been betrayed, you also have to acknowledge that trauma and you have to listen for when that trauma piece comes up. If you're sitting across from someone and they mention something and you think, oh, this person might cheat or whatever, just notice what comes up and do a little intervention where you say, that was then, this is now. Look around the room and say, it is 2021. I see someone preparing steak. I see a person wearing a blue shirt. Ground in the now. What happened happened, but please ground in the now so that you know this person across from you we don't know yet who they are. We don't
0: know, but don't put the shit from the past onto this person. So, right. Don't you? We don't want to relive the past, but we also want to do the work that's necessary before you even start to date in the first place. Oh, so, yeah. You know, I think that's really important too. So, I, I can't believe how the time has just flown by. <laughs> what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up?
1: I just want anyone to know if you've been through a betrayal and you're here with Deb or you're going through a divorce, you are a superhero. You are already doing work that most people in this world do not want to do, looking at your pain and trying to move through it. That is miraculous, brave, and admirable. So I just want to say hats off to all of you.
0: I love that you said that because it is so true. It is so, I see so many people numbing, avoiding, distracting, anything to avoid facing and feeling these very painful emotions. So mm-hmm. the ones who do, they're ready for something big. They're ready to yes. heal. They're ready for transformation. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. So Dr. Elizabeth, where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you do?
1: Um, drelizabethcohen.com is my website. Dr. Elizabeth Cohen,
0: and on Instagram, I'm the Divorce Doctor. Okay, that's so great. I want to thank you so much because I know there are so many people, uh, you know, in the various stages of divorce or even considering a divorce. And, and it's all good. And there are tools and resources and the best version of you on the other side. So thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom. Thank you for having me. I love how Elizabeth saw the two paths and chose the path to recovery. It's always our choice which path we take. When she did, she realized she was on a search for empathy and love, which eventually was exactly what she found. Stay in touch with Elizabeth by going to DrElizabethCohen.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at ThePBTInstitute.com Forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Self-talk is self-hypnosis. Be careful about what you say and think because your mind will believe whatever you say. So why not program yourself with powerful and positive thoughts and beliefs? One way is by imagining your future self. Have a conversation with him or her. Act, think, react, behave. Do everything like that version of yourself would do until you become your best self. It's deliberate, intentional, and it works. You know what else works? The PBT Institute, where we have everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best, community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, and it's all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Just go to the pbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.